It's all good. For sure. All right. We are live. Everybody's not here yet. I see. We'll wait on a couple of people to show up. Mm-hmm. For sure. Depending on how long it takes, we'll see if I edit. Because <laughs> I, I haven't really been editing anything. It's just been going with it. So yeah, we'll just wait on some people. Some of these little girls, they're going to see your little biceps over there and then see them over here like, hey, I need to. What am I? <laughs> nah, <laughs> I just know how they go. We got, we got somebody in here. I don't know who it is. Yeah. Say hi. It looks like there's one person viewing. Say hi. What's Whoever up? you are. I don't see it. That's all right. Um, we'll wait for a couple more people. I see I have one viewer. I don't know who you are. It could be me on my other device. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you're there, say hey in the chat so I can uh why is it not? It's not broadcasting over here. I have a problem. We'll see. It's not broadcasting over here. That I can sell you it is okay. All right, it doesn't show me who is live. Anywho, let's get started because of course people can catch this on the replay. So hey everybody, it's your girl Raja Speaks with Narrative Shifts, where we are redefining and reframing the narratives that go out about us. And so this is that space. We've wrapped up our five-part series on black men and mental health, which was an excellent series, has really good feedback. People kind of, you know, hitting me up on the side, like, hey, you know, that was really good, or who was this? And asking for resources. Um this week, we're, we're just starting <laughs> afresh, anew. We had kind of a little break last week. Um, and so this week, what I wanted to do was introduce Marcos Harris Jr. This is one of my homies for real. Um, I just want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, Marcos, and then I'll share with the people a little bit more about kind of your role with what you do um, on this end, personally for me in terms of, of work, um, but then also just, you know, we're going to hit some things tonight. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Marcos, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Cool. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Marcos Harris Jr. Um, I try to keep it easy. All y'all can see my handle is the same on every social media platform. There's no confusion. There's only one person that can have that name. <laughs> I'm blessed to have that name. There you go. Um, I am a freshman at Tennessee State University. Um, I know, kind of weird, 20-year-old freshman. I did take a two-year gap year, gap years, I guess, after graduating high school. Uh, I was class of 2018, ended up graduating early. So I I graduated in 2017. Um, I was two-sport athlete, ended up getting hurt, losing scholarships. You know how that goes. But um, started pursuing just academia and really educating myself in a bunch of different different topics all over the place. Uh, if you check out my Instagram, it'll say I'm multi-hyphenate. I'm very passionate about a bunch of different things from obviously sports, the art, history, activism, all, <laughs> all of it. Um, yeah, that's a little bit about me. Absolutely. Um, and so, you know, and that's one of the things that for me, was like the drawing factor. So for anyone who who doesn't really understand or know, um, so obviously Narrative Shifts started, I guess now technically um, in this platform, in this space a couple months ago now almost, I guess, maybe like a month and a half. Um, but the idea for it came this summer. And so Marcos is actually the son of a very, very dear friend of mine. And 
I have had the opportunity to just watch his progression over the years, you know, um, be it his, his athletic influence or his, um, his activism actually is what, what really always had my ears kind of peaked up in the social media space. Like, who is this kid? You know, and asking my friend, like, this is your kid talking like this, guys. He is truly um, someone who whose wisdom is beyond his years. And that's just honest. And and that's what blesses me so much in having conversations with you, Marcos, um, because I don't feel like I'm talking to like a really young person. And I'm obviously, you know, you're, you're 20, right? Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> and so yeah. sometimes the conversations, I'm like, this is a 20 year old, you know? So you have such rich um, conversations with people and just a lot to really add to conversations. And so um, guys, so he is, so I needed a team, right? And so I was being prayerful about just having a team, like more people can help support the vision and, and support narrative shifts. The thing about me is that I'm not going to just let anybody into my creative space. And anybody who knows that and has known me for years knows that it's a very covered space. And so for me to just reach out to somebody and like, hey, can you help me? That's not usually going to happen, which is why you see me doing so many things by myself. Even though I love teams and thrive in teams, it's got to be the right people. And so um, God definitely like you know, put Marcos in, in my heart in terms of like, okay, I need to reach out to this dude, you know, um, because it, like he just kept coming up in prayer. And so then, you know, like he hit me up, I hit him up, you know, and it was just one of these things um, where, you know, had a conversation with them. I'm like, okay, yeah. So this is actually my, like, it's a, it's a, it's a team of two. This is my guys. So yeah. that's what people that's don't realize, you know? And so Marcos has been part of my team for, I guess now, I want to say maybe three and a half, four weeks now, maybe. Yep. Yep. And so just blessed to have him. Um, wanted to highlight him tonight um, because he really has some just rich ideas across the board. And what, like I said, it, what has drawn me to Marcos is the fact that he can have these um, substantial conversations about so many different things. Anybody who knows me knows I love that because I do that. <laughs> but it's really uh, just wonderful to have you on the show. And so, you know, I understand you took a, ga a couple gap years, you said. So we'll hit a couple of things here because I just heard you introduce yourself. And I do remember when you, um, you've kind of had an injury, right? Cause I, yep. I was kind of bummed out, man. Like, I think you were, weren't you at Celine at that time? Yeah, I was Celine high school. Okay. So everybody's at TCU, <laughs> TSU, excuse me. What am I saying? TSU. Um, he lives in Tennessee, but I remember you being, I remember that moment and I actually felt it. I don't know. I don't think I've ever shared that with you, but I definitely, you know, felt it um, knowing that that could change the course of some things. And so um, I'm just really thrilled to know that you have been growing in these other areas and, and really just being a tremendous voice for, for not only this generation, but generations to come. So, so happy to just have a Gen Z on here. Uh, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I think so many times we have so many conversations about a lot of stuff and we talk about Gen Z and we talk about Gen Y and the millennials, but we don't talk to you to have conversations where we're learning and growing and kind of seeing the other side. And so in terms of narrative shifts, it's like, okay, I want it to bring to the table younger voices um, who are in these amazing spaces as well that maybe some people don't, you know, like talk about a whole lot. So um, you are passionate about a lot of things. One of the first things I would love for you to talk about today uh, is just your passion, what I know about you in terms of uh, sustainability and en environmental sustainability, climate change, just whatever, what's on your mind? Because I know these things kind of resonate with you and, and, and you post about them. And, you know, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what's going Definitely. on in terms of sustainability. Um, well, so I had to pull together a couple of my sources. For those that okay. don't know me, I am very... I'm very fact driven. I am not stuck in my ways. If you can prove me wrong with a fact, 
please, I encourage it because my goal is to become educated and educate others, not just standing in the, in my opinions. Um, but yeah, so pertaining to sustainability, I'm actually looking at the climate clock currently. It's a mm -hmm. website called climateclock.com or dot world for those that don't know. And it's the same clock that you can see um, in New York City. It says we have roughly six years, 319 days, 11 hours and 51 minutes until we get in, get to the level of climate change <clears throat> that would become irreversible. Mm -hmm. So pretty much we have six years to get everything, <laughs> everything back in order. Um, six years mm -hmm. is not a long time. Not at all. I would like to live past 30, right. 40, 50 uh god willing um and for me it's just important to do my part mm. and help rejuvenate the earth so that you know my kids my grandkids whatever will be able to experience life and enjoy the things that we get to enjoy on a day-to-day -day basis nice. um yeah so i am a quarter filipino so that's really where the drive for sustainability came from for me Okay. Uh, a lot of people still consider the Philippines a third world country. There's a lot of islands there that still have not been westernized. So they live off of the land, like no technology. They, they're hunters and gatherers. They, they use barter system. <laughs> like yeah. they, it's, they're really, they're really out there in, um, in terms of westernization. Like they yeah. haven't experienced it before. And after graduating, my family actually took a trip out there. So December of 2017 mm -hmm. and got to stay in the village that my family's originally from, which was awesome. Wow. Um, but you could definitely see the effects of westernization and climate change over there. Just from the pictures and listening to my elders speak, everything from like the water clarity to mm -hmm air quality like they can tell because they they know <laughs> they, they've lived it their entire lives when you're 80 years old yeah things might be different like to your body but at the same time you can still notice like why is this one beach that I've gone to my entire life now covered in litter mm. why is the water turning black why why can I only see five feet in front of me because yeah. of all this smoke that's around right um and that's kind of what started my my love for just learning about climate change and global warming and being very vocal about all of us doing our part. Because <clears throat> um, like I said, <laughs> we have roughly six years to try and reverse as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a lot of work to get done in a very, very short amount of time. That's a lot of work, man. Like I, you know, I've seen this climate clock just kind of in passing, not in passing. I haven't been anywhere, but just I feel like I was watching TV or something and saw it kind of, you know, on a yep. on the building um, or the projection of that. And I, I didn't do the math, you know, so for you to say six years, put that in a perspective that I hadn't quite digested yet. So that, mm -hmm. that is quite a shock. Um, so two years ago, 
and I remember this. I remember being in Thailand at the time because I was trying to coordinate so that I could come over there and hang mm -hmm. out with you guys for Christmas. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't work because mm -hmm. of my schedule, you know, because we were, um, you know, we were actually teaching during that yeah. time. So, um, so before the two years, I guess several years ago, had you ever really thought about climate change much? Had you thought much about sustainability or, you know, were you a tree hugger before the, you know, like what, what was your kind of backdrop in terms of that? Or was it literally when you saw and had these conversations, you saw it with your own eyes in the Philippines, had the conversations with your relatives. Um, was it before that at any point? Like, did you have any care about it before then? So it's funny you ask, let my parents tell it. Cause I do not remember. Okay. But when I was younger, you know how you ask kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yes. Well, Apparently, my answer was the weatherman. Are you serious? Yes. <laughs> Ask my mom right now. She would tell you. When I was younger, I used to I used to tell everybody I was going to be the weatherman when I grow up. That's crazy. So I guess you know, hmm. I've I've always drawn an interest to just the earth in general. Okay. I do recall growing up, like one of my favorite quote unquote holidays was Earth Day. Yeah. Um. Because, Which is? Oh, April, I, I don't know. I, I don't know more. Okay, April, April 22nd, I do believe. You can fact check okay. me because you're fat guy. <laughs> cool, cool. That was something in my, like, I loved Earth Day growing up. Yeah, so we have that definitely. in common. That's another thing. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, And then growing up in Tennessee, but being from Michigan, I realized there's a lot of differences just in society in general. But the one thing that stood out to me the most was recycling. Because we don't recycle in Tennessee, like we do, but it's a pay, like you have to pay for that service. Mm -hmm. uh, versus, you know, in Michigan, y'all uh, have the recycling pickup, but then also you get paid for bottles. Right. And so that just blew my mind because I didn't know that when we moved to Tennessee, I was still very young. Okay. Uh, so I didn't grow up having to collect bottles and recycle them. But then as I got older, I was like, man, like, there's places that get paid, even though it's only like 10 cents. That's mm. that still goes a long way. Mm. Um, I believe off the top of my head, I want to say Denmark or somewhere around Denmark, <clears throat> they actually pay their citizens, like they pay the mm. citizens to take their own trash out oh, and wow. recycle and that type of stuff. And I learned about that, or I heard about that when I was younger. Mm. Um and that that was very eye opening to me as well because I have for the longest always wondered like why do people and why do we not have organizations or groups that just regularly go clean up the roads and stuff like that. Um, so I guess I guess it's always been a love for the earth. Okay. But to just come out come out and say like you know I'm very just you know, carbon neutral forward. And I think about those types of things. It would have to be around that trip to the Philippines where I can honestly say like that was when I was, when it clicked for me, like I was able to put a term to my feelings mm -hmm. and find a group of people that felt a similar way as me. Okay. Um, so yeah, about two years ago or not two years ago, uh, 2017. Okay. I got you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So you know, I just heard you, I just heard you reference carbon neutral, you know, going forward. Mm -hmm. So 
maybe some people in our audience don't even know what that means. You know, yeah. like I, I know there are a lot of people who are not um, positioned in a way where they're they're even paying a, a whole lot of attention to what's going on policy wise, um, mm -hmm. what's happening environmentally. Maybe they know a little bit about sustainability because. Um, Maybe they're working in a, at a company that talks about being sustainable and this kind of thing in terms of environmental um, equity and all the rest of the stuff. Um, I There are people who don't know the terms or the verbiage, right? And when I hear carbon neutral, I know what I know, but I want mm -hmm. you to share with me and the audience um, what it means to be carbon neutral. <laughs> so I actually have the definition pulled up right now. Of course you do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> God, this, so, guys, this is why he's on my team. <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. So yeah. Google says, it poses the question, what does it mean to be carbon neutral? And, mm -hmm. it, and it quite literally says carbon neutral or net zero carbon is a term used to describe the state of entity such as a company service product where the carbon emissions caused by them have been balanced out by funding an equivalent amount of carbon savings elsewhere in the world. Okay. So you'll hear companies like right now, Apple, for example, when they had their um, 2020 like unveiling of the iPhones and all of that stuff, they said it's their goal. I want to say it was about 2025, 2024, where they said they want to be completely carbon neutral. Okay. So obviously cell phones, chargers, tablets, whatever, they are, a lot of it does come from natural resources, metals and that type of stuff, right? So it does, no matter how much we want to neglect it, it does affect the earth in some some way, right? Mm -hmm. And so companies like Apple will maybe, yeah, they'll make this iPhone and it'll, you know, affect the earth's carbon levels by X amount. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they're using only solar energy to power all of their buildings and all of their factories and that type of stuff. So their their balance is, okay, yes, we create these products, but to offset the amount of um, like, you know, CO2 emissions and that type of stuff, we're going to use this product to kind of balance mm. out our impact on the world. Okay. I think that's a really good description and definition. Um, thank you for that. Yeah. I, I feel like I saw a commercial recently and full disclosure, guys, like I love environmental everything, but recently I honestly haven't been keeping up a bunch, you know, like I know what I do as, as far as my parts. So I've always been someone who's recycled and I have my remarkable because I don't like the waste paper and, yeah. you know, I got all my little stuff. Um, but like I just saw recently, I believe it was Amazon that I mm -hmm. saw similarly. Is that right? Yep. Okay, so they're looking to do this. I can't remember by which date, but I remember seeing that commercial a few times like, huh, that's interesting, you know? Yeah. So it's good that we are getting, we're having those conversations um, that, exactly. that companies like big money makers are like, hey, yeah. this is important. Um, it's crazy that we're just now kind of getting to this space and we, mm -hmm. because we have six years left, right? Mm -hmm. Like at what point <laughs> was the shakeup, you know, for all mm -hmm. these different companies to realize like, no, this is, this is really a big deal. Um, you know, you said, you talked about doing your part. So I want to know what does your part look like in this? So you, you, you talk about us doing our part. So what does that look like for you? Definitely. Um, with me personally, one carpooling. Okay. That's that's a big thing. Um, part of it is 
me and my friends all don't love to drive all the time. <laughs> so we'll just take turns. Y'all want to hang out? You got to come pick everybody up. <laughs> okay. And kind of like our hangout time too, right? Because now mm. we just chilling in the car, vibing to go hang out again or hang yeah. out somewhere. Um, so that's a big thing for me. Another thing is recycling, of course. And something that a lot of people don't think about my family during quarantine, COVID, you know, shenanigans, we wanted to try <laughs> some things out. And after we started doing it, I actually started to study it more, but even growing your own food, yes, having a little planter box in the backyard to yep. grow simple vegetables that you don't have to have a green thumb <laughs> to grow. Mm -hmm. um, that goes a long way just from the amount of food waste that we have here in America, mm -hmm. the packaging, distribution, just all of it, right? So if we all just grew, even if it was, I'm going to grow carrots, you're going to grow tomatoes, mm -hmm. our next neighbor is going to grow potatoes, mm -hmm. right? That that goes a long way because now we're reducing trips to and from the grocery store. Mm -hmm. If you don't have your own reusable bag, then the plastic bags that stores give you. Right. Um, and then you have to think about, so my major is supply chain management. Okay. That's the study from, you know, the idea to the hands of the consumer. And part of that is growing the food, transporting mm. it, you know, well, cultivating it, transporting it, and then, you know, distributing it, housing it in the grocery stores. Mm. Um, and that's a lot of factors. That's a lot of driving. That's a lot okay. of packaging, which leads to a lot of plastic, a lot of waste. And the biggest thing mm. that a lot of us don't think about is the amount of water used in every single step of every single product made in the mm. world. We use up a bunch of water. I want to say last time I checked, they were estimating roughly a hundred gallons just to make cotton t-shirts. Wow. And think about how many t-shirts are circulating out. Yeah, <laughs> out seriously. Okay. Um, and Back to the multi-hyphenate thing. Mm -hmm. I have a passion for fashion. Yep. I didn't even think of that word. That would run. You, <laughs> you didn't do that on purpose. That one. No, that was not on purpose. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's been very, it's been a very big thing for me to not look at being carbon neutral as a trend, but as a life change. Nice. Um, everything from <clears throat> just the way we create clothes, the way we color them, the, the dyes we use, all of that. Um, so for me personally, that's that's a big thing on just finding out where the products that I, I personally use come from and that process of how this, this t-shirt came to be, right? Mm -hmm. um, because as great as a $70 t-shirt might be, like as great of a quality, it could have taken three shark tanks of water mm -hmm. to create that one shirt. And then putting it in that perspective is like, is this shirt really worth that? Well, to me personally, it's not. You know, it's interesting because I haven't thought about it in terms of fashion and just kind of the stuff that I wear, right? So mm -hmm. some years ago, um, and, and most of the people who watch this know, like I, I spent probably eight or nine years as a vegetarian slash vegan. Um, mm -hmm. and, and then I did come back to 
to Michigan from California and started eating meat a little bit. So I go back and forth, right? Like I don't have to have meat. It's not something I love. Um, mm-hmm. But I know that when I, when I began vegetarian lifestyle, it wasn't about the earth and a carbon footprint. It wasn't about any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, about halfway through, I started learning about how those are connected, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was that point where it became, you know, a, a much deeper ethical stance for me at the time um, because I, I was like, okay, yeah, no, this is how I can do my part. And so that's why, you know, I was asking, like, I think a lot of us have a lot to say about a lot of things, um, but we don't always do our part, like whatever that part looks like. And it could be something very small or it could be something, you know, gigantic that'll last forever. Right. Mm -hmm. But what may appear to be very tiny or small is still impact. Right. Collectively. And so I hadn't thought about it in terms of fashion or any other aspect. I mean, obviously the obvious ones, like, you know, emissions in in the air Mm -hmm. and atmosphere, you know, we can see the smog, we can see the pollution. Um, But, you know, when you think about the things that we consume, not even the waste or the litter, but just, you know, like what we eat and what it takes for us to have, you know, like meat and these kinds of things, um, you know, that was something that was brand new to me when I was kind of learning about the carbon footprint of this thing. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that is really good. I'm glad that, you know, you shared that and just how you want it to become a lifestyle and not just a trend. And I, and I think that's a huge point um, because we do live in this age of social media and things are trendy, right? Like you got everything, you know, it's like, we got this challenge yesterday and this challenge today. I'm like, y'all these challenges. We got all these challenges. Um, I'm like, can we like save some water? Do the save some water challenge. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, but I, I think it's I think it's great that that you are tuned in the way that you do. Um, I kind of I also you know as I share know you a bit as an activist. Um, so in terms of sustainability, you know how are you making your voice heard, and what kind of steps and measures are you um, making in terms of your own community, in terms of your generation right now? Like you know I know you're posting, but what are you actionably doing right now about it? For sure. Um, so with Every single topic that I'm passionate about, um, I'm I'm viewed as the bridge hmm. with everything. Um, with sustainability specifically, one thing is I feel like because Gen Z and Gen Y millennials are so much like we're on social media and on the internet so much, we have a plethora of knowledge, right? Yeah, yeah. and we are still not at the age to truly make an impact per se, right? Like we're not in those mm. power positions. Okay. But we are, as some people like to consider, like my my group, street activists, as okay. in we are the people out there in the streets doing the stuff, spreading the message and all of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's obvious, the obvious stuff like posting on social media, um, going to meetups, helping, um, you know, pick up litter on like a volunteer day or something like that. But um, also, there's a couple organizations here in Nashville that are focused on other things, but sustainability is still a major um, like piece of whatever mm-hmm. they're doing, even if they don't realize it. Um, I actually had a conversation recently 
with someone that's part of Gideon's army here in Nashville, which is, I'm not the perfect spokesperson for this organization. Sure. But they are kind of in a way, a smaller scale of what was once the Black Panther Party. So they're okay. really focused on, you know, African-American health, wealth, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of your neighbor and all of that stuff. And there were little things that they were doing, just like water drives. Okay. And they, did, they, they didn't intentionally say, we're going to do this and this is going to be sustainable and this is going to be great for the community. It was just like, look, they need some water, whatever. We're going to do our part. If nice. that's going and getting the big five gallon jugs from Walmart and filling them up and then taking them out and having pumps of water so that everyone mm. in the community would have clean water or access to clean water or drinkable water. Mm. Um, but in a way that was sustainable. Sure. And oh, yeah. So even though I wasn't the front runner and I honestly, I didn't even point it out till after the fact, um, just working with groups and bringing it up to them, like, putting it in their face so that they're aware that they're actually doing more than what they're they're thinking they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's a big thing for me because as I said, I'm not in a power position, okay. but when I do work with these clubs or organizations, um, I do like to point out the things that they are doing, even <laughs> just so now that they're, they're conscious about it. So now it's like, well, man, we did this that one way. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's either A, do it just like we did the first time, or maybe we can do it a different way. Maybe we get one U-Haul truck and fill it up with water rather than having mm. 20 different cars drive back and forth. Right. You know, just little things like that um, is how I've personally like made an impact. That's awesome. Do you do you feel like it's um more challenging because of COVID? Like so, so let's say we have somebody who's watching and they're like, man, you know, I wanna I wanna get involved like how can i get involved you know and just trying to give back in this area or trying to personally make some changes um do you find that it's difficult during covid in terms of reaching out to organizations or clubs or anything like that right now it that is a double-sided blade because organizations and all of that stuff yes it is very hard um one is just hard to get in contact with when you don't have that face to face Okay. Two, when they do have events, you know, they're limited to how many people can come, social distancing, all of that stuff. Um, So, yeah, in that way, it is hard to get involved with organizations or groups of people that are actively doing this. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, there are a lot of things that we can do, just little life changes that we can make that doesn't require us to interact with too many people. I mean, things such as replacing all of the plastic in your house with glass, like your hand soaps, instead of going and getting a new plastic hand soap every single time, just mm. get one glass jar and get one container of ha- re- like refillable hand soap. Or if you have a, like, I know there's a couple stores, at least around Nashville, where you could take your glass jars in and have them filled up. So they have the hand soaps, they have lotions, they have body wash, all that type of stuff, right? Hmm. Uh, So pretty much you bring your own container, we have the products to then fill your containers up with. Hmm. Um, So it's just little things like that. So checking 
are there stores or places like that around your area that do that specific thing? Or even if it's as simple as getting on Amazon and ordering 10, you know, reusable grocery bags. Right. Just little life changes like that is going to help <laughs> a lot. I love that. Um, you know, and, and I think for most of us, it's, it's having to develop an awareness mm-hmm. um, of the things that we are doing versus what we could be doing. Right. And so, you know, so many of us are just so focused on the conditions that we have. Right. Excuse Mm -hmm. me. Swig. (laughs) In my glass jar. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, You know, we're so used to the conditions that we have. Right. Like we just we it's muscle memory for so many of us, like the way that we function, kind of maneuver through our lives and kind of these small change ups. are something we would have to be so intentional about, right? And so I think it's it's developing the intention and being purposeful, like, okay, what am I gonna do this week? Or what am I going to do today? You know, or maybe if it's a, you know, people go on a fast for 21 days or months or whatever it is, it's like, okay, what can I do to really um, kind of change my lifestyle, right? As it pertains nope. to being more sustainable, you know? So I think, mm-hmm. I think that's great. Like those are, those are, I didn't know anything about the companies that allow you to bring your own. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea. So now I'm, I'm interested and intrigued yeah. in looking those up. Yeah. Um, I tend to make a lot of my own stuff, but mm-hmm. I haven't made, well, I did make some hand sanitizer in the beginning of all this stuff, but you yeah. know, I think, I think it's great that uh, you're talking about that. Cause that, that's something I definitely wrote down. I'm sure some listeners will be like, huh, that's cool. Yep. Um, you know, one of the things I heard you say too uh, is just community. Like, I, I hear your heart for community. Um, when you mentioned, you know, if I'm over here growing carrots and your mom is over here growing something else and you're mm-hmm. growing something else down the street, instantly I'm thinking of community. Obviously, yeah. there's going to be a decrease in carbon, you know, stuff mm-hmm. going on. But in terms of just how that builds community, um, you know, I feel like that's we we we've lost a lot of community For right, sure. because of social media. And so I love this idea of while we are trying to become more sustainable, while we are trying to, you know, reduce this pollution and reduce what we've done or kind of reverse it, we can do that and in turn create deeper substantial relationships in our community, which is ideal. Exactly. <laughs> right. And so I think I think that's great. That community aspect. Let me ask you, um, was that something that was developed in you younger or is that something that kind of came about because of, of the, the culture, you know, the cultures that you exist in that, that's part of you? Like what drives that for you? Yeah. Uh, community is everything to me. Okay. Anybody that knows me, even people that don't know me, know mm-hmm. that my family is everything. Yep. And I have a very out there definition of the word family because of how I was raised and being multiracial and multicultural and all of this, just mm-hmm. everything that I've been surrounded by. Um, my dad's group of college best friends, mm-hmm. I call all of them uncles. Okay. Yes. Uh, all of the women, I call them my aunt. Yep. All of their kids are my cousins. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because when I was younger, I would really be like, so how are we cousins? <laughs> right. Right. And growing up, I genuinely thought like this was blood. Mm. And um, yeah, to me, community is everything. Uh, if we want to talk about the Filipino roots. Yeah, sure. Like I, like I mentioned, they a lot of them still use the barter system. 
And my grandma lives with us and she talks about all the time, like growing up, her best friend, like, you know, her and her best friend would hang out. Her mom knew her, even though they never really met in passing and all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? It's the parents know all the kids in the community um, because Mm -hmm. if they don't work together, well, my husband hunts and I grow, I grow vegetables and Mm -hmm. You do you fish and, you know, we just we switch and we live off of each other. Well, Um, and I mean, honestly, like we all share this earth, no matter how we Mm -hmm. want to look at it, no matter what your view is on anything, we all have to live amongst each other. So why not try and help one another rather than nitpick, point the finger, you know, like I'm here no matter what you're here, no matter what, like, you Mm -hmm. know, let's figure it out. I love that. Because what you've just done is is you've kind of just made the whole concept of everybody here on this planet is mm-hmm. community. And yeah. whether we have viewed it like that or not, you know, it's it's like, okay, we've got our neighbor here, love your neighbor, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever religion people yeah. you know subscribe to, the reality is I got some people that live next door to me. And yep. so what am I gonna do? How do I handle those people, right? Um I think that is beautiful. And I love that you are cut from that cloth. Um, I think you're pretty unique in that way. Um, mm-hmm. Would you agree or disagree? Like you are around other Gen Z's and millennials and Gen Y's. Like what, what are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like you're kind of uh, kind of by yourself with this like bullhorn of trying to share this stuff? Or do you have, you know, some allies that are in it with you thick? Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people like, what, what do you, what does that look like for you? Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't pointed out to me until this past summer because mm-hmm. I've never really thought of like my situation and like this in this like this type of setting to be mm-hmm. unique. Um, okay, but I do, I do believe that it is a very unique situation that I'm in. Um, like I said, I do see myself as a bridge or my family mm-hmm. as a bridge. Um, I have friends that grew up without dads and guess what? Mm. My dad is their dad. Like I'm talking about picking up from school, dropping off at home, track practice, you know, making sure they got food, got money in their pocket. Like that's awesome. That is, you know, that's just how I was raised. It wasn't pointed out to me until this past summer um, when I had a conversation, my dad and all my uncles were outside just chilling, talking, and one of them asked me, like, about what I believe it is to, you know, just be a man and, mm-hmm. like, providing and that type of stuff. And that led on to a conversation of um, if I had to pick out influential men in my life, mm-hmm. who would it, like, who would I point, point to? Nice. And immediately it's like, why would you ask that question? They're sitting right in front of me. Wow. Um, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, that's that's how it is. That's that's how I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, I didn't believe that it was a unique situation. But then I started to think like, yeah, I do have friends without a male figure or mm-hmm. just without a family figure in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though it is a unique situation, at least amongst the people that I interact with that's in my age group, um, 
it's not seen as a weird thing. Like it's actually okay. seen like something everybody wants to be a part of. Hmm. It's just like, you know, they understand as well, or a lot of them understand we are on this planet together. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, you know, let's figure it out together. Um, yeah, hmm. and it's it's a beautiful thing, especially because like you mentioned, social media has really taken, you know, that personal face-to-face connection away mm. mm-hmm. or limited it a lot okay um, but as much of like as many problems that we like to associate with social media it also gives us the ability to create a larger stronger community That's I, mean, good. I have friends halfway across the country on the opposite side of the world, I've never met them in person. Yeah. But we talk all the time. We DM all the time. We're on FaceTime. Like, you know, that's awesome. And it's great to see that because social media has given us that before. Like for me, I don't know. I applaud any and everybody that was part of the civil rights movement because I don't know how you organize all of those things and have all those people yeah. come out without a cell phone. Yeah, like, right? <laughs> <laughs> like weeks and weeks of like underground meetings and it's like how coordinated boycotts for like really? months. How are you doing this? Right. Exactly. Yeah, no, nah, that's real talk. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. Um, are you getting any pushback from anyone like any of the so you know, I'm a Gen Xer, you've got mm-hmm. your baby boomers that are still here, you got a few traditionalists still yeah. in the on the, on the earth, are you getting any pushback from them or are you getting any apathy coming off of, of us or them? For sure. Um, I'm a strong believer in if what you're doing, you're not getting any resistance, then you're not going hard enough. You're not reaching far enough. Um, and so, yeah, I, I do get a lot of resistance mm. um, just, you know, <laughs> with a lot of different things. Sure. Um, especially when it does come to sustainability just in general, because of the way I speak about it and the things mm-hmm. that the topics I like to bring up. I mean, you know, Detroit's the motor city. Yeah. Growing, you know, being from the motor city and talking about how I love Tesla, you know, that that's frowned upon. How true. Do you, this how, is true. How, <laughs> right. True. Like, make, it, make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so true. there's resistance in that way or, I have a lot of friends that grew up and their families are in the oil industry, right? Mm. And it is very important. Fossil fuels is still very, very important to our economy and for our world to spin. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's like there has to be a balance of solar panel, wind, power, all of that type of stuff, right? So then there's resistance just in a bunch of different ways. Um, and then, of course, the social media thing is always... Y'all spend too much time on your phone, you know, get outside, do all that stuff. So, yeah, there's always resistance. <laughs> okay. Okay. One thing I think is so beautiful about what you bring to the table is that you, listen, for the audience, guys, Marcos is not afraid of challenges, period. And I love that. And I think that that's what's been so admirable and watching him grow up over these years is he's not afraid to take an, a, you know, like a, like an older adult to task. Like he's like, look here, look, you know, like he, yeah. he, he will challenge folks. And 
hold you accountable. And, and I think these are really just wonderful, beautiful things. You know, at times, sometimes I'm like, oh, he said, well, because <laughs> like, it might be somebody my age or older who just posted something and I'm like, oh, they not ready <laughs> because you are so articulate and you are so, again, just loaded with wisdom and knowledge, you know, about these things. Um, and so I, I don't ever want you to stop <laughs> doing that. that. That is so important. Um, you know, it's one thing when when our peers of the same age or, or same generation, you know, are calling us out and it's that iron that's sharpening the iron. It's another thing when it's someone that is younger than us, right? Mm -hmm. And um, someone who who is saying, look, this is what's going on, you know? And it's it's like, prove prove something otherwise. Like you even came yeah. on today, like, look, I'm gonna fact check it. Like if you, yeah. <laughs> I said, this guy, this is, this is his, this is him. So, you know, I appreciate that so much. Um, and, and just, you know, that's gonna continue to just be such a, a dynamic blessing for you and just how you're, maneuvering through space and time. Um, one of the things I also wrote down here, I'm trying to find it because my little stuff is, I, I write scribbles everywhere. Um, let's see, I had it. Um, so, the, okay, so let's transition slightly here and then we're going to get into these uh, turbines you told me about earlier. <laughs> yeah. I'm like mind blown here. Um, but first, you said you took a two-year gap. And I want to know, because I know a lot of times these gap years, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't call them gap years. People just didn't go to school or whatever, you know, for whatever reasons yeah. to pursue their interests. But gap year is a trendy term. Um, mm -hmm. But you took you took a couple years, you know, as you mentioned in the beginning, um, you graduated early from high school. But then you had, um, you know, the football dynamic and the athletic dynamic. But talk to me about these two years. Like, what did you do in that time? You know, were you trying to discover some things? Was it just kind of to chill out? Like what was going on in that two years? Yeah. So I love this question because one, the gap years were kind of forced on me, right? Because the reason why I graduated high school early was because mm -hmm. I was going to go to college early. Yep. Um, the school I was at, we were on trimester. So we graduated, we finished our first trimester, which is a little bit shorter than a semester in November. So I was going to be in college by December, there for bowl practice, mm. condition in spring, right? So okay. it, was never, it was never, oh, I need to take a gap year, take some gap years. Um, <clears throat> the way I define a gap year versus not going to college straight out of high school is in a gap year, you're actively trying to progress yourself and educate yourself in other ways other than higher education. Okay. Um, because- I mean, yeah, there's a lot of people that just are like, you know, I'm not going to go to college right now. I'm going to just chill. I'm 18. Mom and pop still going to let me stay in the house, whatever that right, is. Right. 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 Uh, so I'm going to just kick it until they force me to do something mm. that that is not not in an uncommon situation. OK. Um, when I define a gap year, it's do these internships, do these jobs that no one wants to do. That'll get mm. you in the door. Good. Shadow people in a variety of different industries. Find out what you want to do, which is what has made college a breeze for me. So those that know, I mean, yeah, I was an yeah. athlete. Yeah, I was okay academically, graduated with a 3.0 or whatever. But I'm a 4.0 honors student at Tennessee yes. State. Yes, yes. So excited. And a lot of that came from going into college. I, I already know what I wanted to study. Mm. 
on top of that, I already have experience in the work in the workforce under what I'm pursuing my degree in. That's huge. So, yeah, that is that is that is a major advantage. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, during gap years, that is the time to really try to find yourself as much as possible and learn as much about yourself, which in turn explains to you, it opens up the world. So now I know what I want to do. I know what I'm passionate about. I'm not sitting here spending, you know, ten to thirty thousand dollars every single year mm-hmm. pursuing a degree to then switch my major and then become a freshman all over again. Right. Um so that's that's what I define as a gap year. Do you believe everyone should have a gap year? I feel like those that can should. Good. That was my next follow-up. So go ahead. (laughs) Yeah. Those that can should. Obviously, as an athlete, you can't. You gotta, you gotta be there. Um, for some people, it's a financial thing. You just you gotta be there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's if if you have access to it. Is not gonna hurt you. And mm-hmm. to the older generations, I want to say gap years do not force you to not go to college. Mm-hmm. Because when I told people, when I first told people, yeah, I got hurt, I'm not gonna go to community college, I'm not gonna do this, not yet. They were yeah. all like, oh, your life's over, you're never going back to school, you're gonna get mm-hmm. used to doing these jobs and all of this stuff. Um, and you know, that actually added fuel to my fire because it was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you differently. Like I'm using this time to actually figure out what I want to do, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, everybody in some way is affected by the student debt crisis, right? Especially the black community and seeing how that has derailed <laughs> pretty much the community as a whole, right? Like, mm-hmm. A lot of us have financial struggles and a lot of us, a lot of those financial struggles come from student loans. Yeah, It's like, why would I get a degree in something that I don't want to pursue as a career, mm-hmm. making X amount of dollars and then giving at least half of it back to the school or to the government to cover my education that I don't even use anymore. Mm. Right. That's uh, and that was always my thing. Like, I, higher education is great. It's very important. But to me as a person, it was always, I don't want to study something that's n- that I'm not going to use later on in life. Mm-hmm. I was a high school student that was sitting in pre-calc. Like, why am I in calc? Like, I don't, I, just personally, I knew I'm not going to pursue a career in math. Okay. Right. So, but teach me about taxes. Teach me about the stock investments, right? Like teach me about that type of stuff, things that I'm actually going to use in life. That was my mindset back mm-hmm. in high school. Then being forced into the gap year and all of that type of stuff. Um, it, it really, you know, it, it put things in place for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Are you, and this is just a question I could ask yeah. you offline, but um. And it's also telling me my internet connection is unstable. I really hope this comes out because <laughs> um, it would do that right now. Right. Like, really? Um, you know, I'm listening to you. Are there any books coming out? Anything like this that might be on its way in terms of what you just mentioned? Because I feel like this could help a lot of people. 
a lot of young folks, a books. lot of degrees or or something. Or a book, singular, I don't know. Like, do you, <laughs> you like to read? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is true. That is that is a new that is a new hobby I have picked up recently. Okay. Um it's actually funny that you mentioned books okay. because since high school. Shout out to my one of I'm gonna say one of so some people don't get upset, okay. but one of my favorite teachers throughout all of school, uh, Miss Holly Shepard. She okay. was my theater teacher at, at mm. BA. Um, we would have these conversations outside of class, outside of musical practice, all of that type of stuff. Okay, I've, I've journaled a lot my entire life. Nice, um, and she always told me because I was one of those people. I'll journal, whatever. Throw the journal off mm -hmm. to, to off to the side. Mom comes, cleans the room, throws the journal away. Oh well, oh, yeah. I'm not okay. but she she encouraged me to keep them mm -hmm. to write because um, she was like, you know, eventually this could be a biography or mm -hmm. used for autobiography or just things like that. Um, and this or that specific portion of my life, I feel like you know, based off of just the amount of journal entries I have and how passionate I am about taking gap years and like learning mm -hmm. about yourself and finding yourself um, to help pursue you, pursue your life um, and push you forward, get you ahead of the curve. Mm -hmm. I've, I've thought about it. I've, I have, um, I don't know when or how <laughs> to get that done, but Digital format is really my go-to from, you know, podcast posting. Yeah. Um, that has definitely been something that I've thought about doing, just getting on. Because, you know, I post questions on my Instagram story almost okay. every day. Yeah. Um, just to get people thinking and get people's opinions. And, you know, sometimes people just need somebody to talk to or at right. least feel like someone's listening to them. Um, and... I have thought about, I, I do want to utilize my platforms a, a little bit more on explaining those little things, because honestly, those gap years have shaped and defined me as a person. Like those two, two and a half years, there was more growth than the first 17 years of my life. Wow. That's a and, huge statement, Marcos. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, but when... If you think about it, like, wow. I mean, I was thrown in the lion's den, right? Fair. Because college was always, I'm going to go to college because it's going to mm -hmm. be paid for because of sports, right? Right, right. Well, sports go away. College is out the window. Mm -hmm. I'm, I can't sit in mom and dad's house my entire life. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, I got to figure it out. So it's like, what am I going to do? Am I going to sit here, feel sorry for myself, hate the world, mm -hmm. and blame everybody else on the things that have in a way been taken away from me or am I going to say, forget it, whatever that was an important part of my life. It is a major, still to this day, a major part of my story, hmm. but the light, the world keeps spinning. The sun's still going to rise. So it's like, what am I going to do? Feel sorry about myself or keep pushing. Um, and hmm. I decided to keep pushing. You know, there's such a maturity and, that response that is so huge. Uh, there are a lot of adults who are much older than you who don't understand that concept of mm -hmm. this was a wonderful period of my life. 
right? And I've got to digest and accept the fact that that part of it is gone, but there's so much more over here. A lot of us can get stuck, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that hits us throughout various life steps, right? Mm -hmm. And it's being able to understand, coming to a place of of awareness again, uh, revelation that like, nope, I might be a little stuck. So what do I need to do to change something to, to propel me a little bit further, mm-hmm. right, or change sort of the course or direction. Um, I think that's huge because you, I, I mean, we've seen examples of another type of you <laughs> that would have been still stuck and bummed out and frustrated about, mm-hmm. man, like I jacked my knee or my foot or whatever. Yours was your mm-hmm. knee, right? Like I, yeah, my knee. Yeah, Thank you. Right? It's like, you know, jacked up my knee. I can't do anything. And and we've seen this. We've seen mm-hmm. people spiral, um, fall into deep depression. We've seen people suicidal. We've seen people who uh, fall into substance abuse, right, as a result of these things or um, ridiculous, you know, just uncontrolled sexual habits or whatever it mm-hmm. is because they're trying to overcompensate or compensate rather for the loss. And yep. so I love that you are you have such a mature mindset in terms of, OK, what do I need to do? That's over. Let me push you know, forward. How can I? change because I, I have something to contribute to this mm-hmm. world that is so magnificent, right? And everybody's got that in them. And I just love that you understand that you have that in you, even if you don't know all of what it looks like yet, right? You know that you have it in you and you can push forward. And so that is huge. And I love that you're speaking to that tonight because I feel like it will absolutely encourage some young and, and older folks alike. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Definitely. Yeah. That's huge. What I want to say is like two people that are feeling any kind of negative feelings about where they're at or where they've been sit in it. Mm. Mm. Don't try to run away. (laughs) Honestly, like these last four to six months of my life personally have been hard, super hard. Um, And I've been trying to run away from the feelings and just the thoughts Mm. of the future, honestly. Uh, And about, maybe two, three days ago, like days ago, oh, <laughs> not yeah. even weeks. Okay. I decided I'm going to just sit in it, you know, embrace it. Uh, that's so you powerful, Marcos. You have, you have to, <laughs> you have to, there's, there's no other choice or you're going to bum yourself out even more. Wow. So, so let's hit that. Cause we did just come off uh, the mental health series, right? Black men in mental health. So <laughs> when I hear you saying sit in it, like, I know what that means, <laughs> but some people might not know what that means. Like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean to sit in it? Like you're in the midst of something that feels like hell, right? Yep. On earth. Yeah. And I and I'm hearing you say, sit in it. What does that mean coming from your perspective? And just based off of, you know, you don't have to disclose too much yep. of what you want, but just what does that mean for for someone? For me, sitting in it is recognizing it and embracing it not running away from it, not psyching yourself out, realizing you can't control the world, can't control other people, you can't control their emotions, you can't, can't, a lot of what's in our life, we can't control. And recognizing you can't control it Mm. is the first step to sitting in it, right? That's good. (laughs) Cause think about it, if you in quicksand and you move around too much, what's gonna happen? Think. Mm-hmm. You won't drown, right? That's kind of how I I view life, right? When when I am in a sticky situation, right. trying to do too much too fast, 
of course, that's our natural reaction. That's always my natural reaction. Mm-hmm. But nine times out of 10, that just makes things worse. So now you're going from one foot being stuck to being mm. head, head above sea level. And why mm. was that? Because you didn't take a second, step back, breathe, and just sit in it. If you would just relax, mm. things are going to work out no matter what. We're trying to rush, trying to move too quickly. It's just going to make the problems pile up. And now you're in a mental state or in a physical state that you can't control, still can't control it. Yeah. Yeah. But now you're going to be worse off than if you would have just sat in it and relaxed. That's really powerful. Thank you for that. That's good stuff. Y'all, I told y'all he has wisdom. (laughs) This dude is 20, y'all. He's 20. Man, thank you. Um, Lastly, because we're at at an hour, but I just want because you kind of blew my mind with this turbine stuff today and Texas has got everybody twisted today. Um, so, so we started talking about sustainability environment. That should, that's one of your many passions. Um, <laughs> you just talk to us about Texas and just what's going on. Obviously we're all getting kind of slammed right now. I don't know what's going on in um, California today. I didn't check in with my peeps. But... Probably 60 degrees. <laughs> right. Probably. They all right. Hey, okay. I mean, I have a cousin that's in Arizona that was like, yeah, it's about 70 today. Like, yeah, they're 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 just a little snippet. They're not catching yeah. some stuff right now. Um yeah. in Michigan, we supposed to have some kind of semi-blizzard, like whatever's going on. I haven't yeah. even looked out in a couple hours, but kind of nervous about that. But we're supposed to catch it. Um yeah. and I just saw like Last night, one of my friends from California, so she had lived in California, you know, she lives in Texas, and she had posted a picture, and I, and I was like, where is she? Like, I didn't know she was in Texas. Like, I'm like, where is this? And I asked her, she's like, yeah, I'm like, wow. And as the day has just gone, you know, forward, I've heard just a lot of my Texas peeps chiming in, like, this is crazy. And then you brought in turbines. So please, please talk to me about what's going on with turbines, why you might have had a shirt on or not. Like, what? <laughs> What's going on in your world right now? <laughs> but bring it on, make it all make sense before we get off tonight. <laughs> all right. Well, you mentioned having a shirt on. So for yeah. those who don't know, I, I I post whatever. I post what comes to mind, whatever I feel. And exercise is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Recovery is even bigger. Mm-hmm. So, you know, cold therapy. I walked around outside in flip-flops without a t-shirt on. <laughs> that was the in reason. A, in the middle of an ice storm. Oh, well. <laughs> but <laughs> Are those your mixed roots playing? Like, what's really going on here? Because <laughs> some of us ain't about to be out just like. Hey, hey. For those athletes or those that are getting into working out again, cold therapy is your best friend. It does work. It is. But so for the wind turbines, I woke up. I knew that. We had an ice storm yesterday here in Nashville. Okay. I knew that there was was snow all over the country. I knew Texas was getting some snow, hmm. um, but I didn't realize how much and how how it would affect everybody. Hmm. And I checked Twitter like I do every morning, right. and there's a guy I don't follow him, but one of my friends do. He retweeted his tweet and. The guy, he he works in the fossil fuel industry. I don't know exactly what he does, okay. um, but it was kind of a knock at the sustainable energy community because, you know, there's always extremists 
in every single situation. And there are a lot of people that are are like, we only need sustainable energy, get rid of fossil fuels, stop using it, like all of that type of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And as I mentioned earlier, we can't do that, at least not right this second. Um, But so anyways, the guy, he had tweeted a news article and the wind turbines, there's a, apparently there's a bunch of wind turbines throughout Texas. And I want to say it was like half of them were frozen. And so one energy prices skyrocketed today. Everybody that I know, all my friends and family in Texas were like, unplug anything that's not a necessity. (laughs) Uh, Make sure all the lights are staying off as much as possible because the energy bill is going to go up. Why? Because they've converted a lot of their day-to-day power to these wind turbines and solar power and all of that stuff. And that goes to show there's flaws in every every new thing that we're trying to implement in the world. There's going to be a flaw. Mm. And there was no more perfect situation than today to wake up and see, wow, like, yeah, sustainable energy is great, but Mm. it's not that advanced yet. And so pretty much the tweet was explaining there was it was a picture of a frozen wind turbine. It was a helicopter spraying some chemical on it. Right. To kind of be ice or something. Yep. And the tweet was quite literally, oh, wow, look. A sustainable wind turbine <laughs> Jeez, getting okay. thawed out by a helicopter that's run off of fossil fuel, fuel right? Spraying a chemical oh, that was that that has fossil fuels in it mm. to help thaw out your sustainable energy, right? Wow, wow, and wow. So, but I mean, he has a point. Sure, it's a valid point as well, right? Absolutely. Um, but yes, yeah, so pretty much. Texans are going through a lot right now when right. it comes to energy. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's good to show. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, needs this is, so you've got this brilliant mind. So how do we fix that? Fix the wind turbine thing specifically? Yeah. How do we, you got a whole, you got a huge state like Texas. Yep. You're telling me like half of them are frozen. How do we fix it? So Without right now, all, the, all this stuff away, so nobody takes your intellectual property. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right now, the worst time to try to fix a situation is when you're in it. Amen. So that. let that pass. But after mm-hmm. it passes, now you might want to ask Mr. Musk. He might be a, a little bit more knowledgeable. This is this fair. <laughs> he had a baby, didn't he? He's probably <laughs> dad. But I mean, I don't know, just throwing random ideas out. Yeah having heat coils throughout the wind turbine mm-hmm. or as I've mentioned, using fossil fuels are still very important. Well, what if there is a way to implement, I don't know, um, some kind of electricity. It could either be electricity or it could be run off of gas and natural resource that pretty much works like your gas tank. Right. Yeah. And it, it pumps a warm fluid throughout all the wind turbines and it has like a, you know, okay, just right. help heat it from the inside outward. Gotcha. Um, that would probably be like my best idea right That's now. Good. Yeah, don't give them all yeah. away. <laughs> no, for sure. Money coming, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. here for that. We're gonna get. Like you I money. said, Mr. Musk, he <laughs> may uh, 
he might be a better candidate for that question. That's fair. That's fair. We could take it. Um, no, I, I think that's I think that's great. I'm really looking forward to you know more more eyes being on this broadcast. Um, I know it's long or whatever, but we gonna get we gonna work. But I'm really excited. I want you 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 will have to meet Kimberly. Um, Kimberly Hill not um, have to meet her. So. Uh, hopefully you guys can connect. Um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I tagged you on her page the other day, but I think mm -hmm. that you will find that beneficial. I think you guys will both live off each other pretty well. So okay. um, yeah, definitely. I'm sure she'll check this out. So that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, okay, so at the end of these, what I'm trying to do, and, and we're changing the format in March. Um, this is for the audience that's watching. So I'm gonna have a little different format come March. Um, but right now, one thing I wanna just you know spotlight, I always ask, if my guests have anybody they want to spotlight in terms of a small business or um, any type of, you know, cause that, that they're uh, connected to. So if you could share, I think I have, it's liveabove.co, right? Correct. You want to tell us quickly about that? We got about three minutes left. So cool. go ahead and uh, I'm going to put it across the, the bottom here. So oh. liveabove.co is a clothing line born and built here in Nashville. Um, two amazing owners started him, both black men, graduates of Tennessee State and members of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Mm -hmm. um, they've been very influential, influential in my life. They were the first clothing line to give me my give me a shot to work for a clothing line. Nice. Um, so, yeah, those two guys, I can't thank them enough. Uh, they were actually just featured on Instagram as one of the top black businesses in the country. Nice. Recognized by Instagram themselves. They worked yeah. with companies such as Sprite, um, Chase Bank, all of those things. Um, so if you're trying to support a black a black business, um, someone that's a company that's very forward into giving back um, and supporting others at Live Above CO on all social medias. Okay. That is also their website. It's a dot co rather than a dot com. Um, that would be the first small business I want to shout out. The second one would be if you're looking to just give money or any resource um, to those that could use help. The Franzine Learning Center, Inc. is a school in the Philippines. Uh, my family is very involved and actually helped run the school. Um, that's very important for me. It's everyone, every person, especially children, deserve the right to an equal shot at education. Um, so if you're looking to give money to to anybody, I would I would tell you to give money to that school in a heartbeat. Can you can you spell it for me? Franzine F R A N Z I N E. Okay. Learning Center Inc. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna put that here and just kind of let that scroll across the bottom yep. as well. Franzine Learning Center Inc. Um, and so, guys, they have a Facebook page, um, and I'll I'll post that to the Narrative Shifts page and my personal page, just so you guys can have um, you can direct you know like your money, finances, resources, you know any anything that you can contribute. Um, just quickly share share with them as we wrap up the audience. Um, sort of the what happens in that community. Um, so I know that it's your family your, that runs the school. Mm -hmm. 
but talk to me just real quick about the community. Like, so you guys have, um, it's a private, it's a private school, right? Correct. And so how are the locals attending this private school? So it's actually, that's a hard question to answer because there is some funding that comes from the outside. There is funding okay. from the families. Um, it's in Cebu, Philippines. Okay. Yep. And those that are aware that are aware with that specific island, it is very westernized. Okay. If you're in the metro city, like I mentioned, we stayed in my family's original village. Right. So we're not in that inner city bubble that's getting all this money in these yep. great houses and stuff. So a lot of the kids live in metal huts, mm. literally four sticks in the ground with one piece of sheet metal on the top. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it's, I personally am trying to find more ways to help fund the school, but not just the school, but give money if it's the form of a scholarship or whatnot to allow more kids mm. to attend. Obviously the reason it's private is because it's not getting funding from the government. Okay. But a lot of those kids, they still need education. Absolutely. And if it's, you know, no matter what their reasoning is getting to and from school or what, whatever is hard. And so for me, it's just trying to help get as many kids into school. It doesn't even have to be that specific school, but just getting them into school is my main focus and my main goal. And it just helps that my family runs a school there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if there's ways to lower tuition costs or find ways to sponsor kids to then be able to attend the school for free mm. or whatever, I'm, you know, I'm open for all of it, right? That's awesome. Okay. You know, Thank you. Well, I am just pleased to have had you on the show again for anybody who's catching the tail end or you caught us midway through. Um, Marcos is on my team. So he's part of the narrative shifts team um, there. It's a two member team right now. So you're looking at us. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really excited to have interviewed him. I wanted his voice to be out. Um, I feel like our Gen Z sometimes get muted a little bit, uh, just given the context of, of where we are. And certainly within COVID, you know, everybody's just talking about virtual school and, and working and trying to balance everything. But the Gen Z voice isn't always heard these days, in, in my opinion, at least from what I can see, um, or at least the acknowledgement coming from another generation to Gen Z, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm um, just thankful for the opportunity. Thank you so much for joining the show tonight. And yeah, no, thanks for having me. Voice. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, um, yeah, we will see folks next time. So guys, thanks for joining us. Whether you caught this in real time, I saw the numbers go up a little bit, whether you caught it in real time, or you catch it on the rebroadcast Thursday. Um, thank you for always supporting. Uh, again, we'll get these down a little shorter. I might change it in March. So <laughs> February is still going to be these long uh, situations. But uh, hopefully you learned something today. Be blessed, guys. Be safe out there. Um, feel free to reach out to us at any point. You got to DM anyone, you know, any one of us, uh, you know, Shanta is still somebody that hangs out. Desmond still hangs out, you know, so anybody who feels the need to reach out to any of us, please do that. Do not hesitate to do that. You can follow Marcos. Um, his handle is the same everywhere. So I've got it scrolling across the bottom here. Marcos Harris Jr. Um, again, he was talking about liveabove.co. 
And so a tremendous company there that's doing some really, really cool things that he has had direct relationship with, which is awesome. And then the Franzine Learning Center in the Philippines, um, which is really close to Marcos's heart because it is family. So, um, and, and, and just what they're doing is tremendous. So um, thanks again. And we will see you next week, seven o'clock. Bye. Yeah.